around here. Captain! Report. Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Alert. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Co context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the Greatest Discovery bonus episode. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Here to thank supporters of The Greatest Generation and The Greatest Discovery for their support. This is what you get for it. You get a bonus episode. Yeah, we're going to try and do a bunch of these. And um, these are uh, also being edited by a slate of new editors. So... Um, we're, uh, we're really excited to be able to consider hiring a full-time producer because of your support, and uh, that just would not be possible otherwise. So uh, thank you a ton. Yeah, that's yeah, good stuff. We'll have to really, we'll have to tighten it up this step. <laughs> we're usually luxuriating in, into two or three hours for each episode's recording session, really taking our time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. we've promised each other and our prospective producers that we'll keep it tight for them and make it as easy as we can. Yeah, got to keep it dialed in. I feel like we're being observed by a new producer, right? Yeah, there's, there is a bit of a who watches the watchers feeling going on right now. I definitely feel like I'm, I'm in a wooden cage <laughs> being judged by a stranger. Let's hope they cut with uh, something a little bit more precise than a stone spear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you listen to some of our early episodes of Greatest Gen, it definitely feels like some stone spear work being done back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think uh, they're, they're going to be held to a higher standard than we held ourselves to early on. <laughs> you and me recording in a couple of hollowed out coconuts. Yeah. We're here to talk about an animated series episode. I, I was delighted when I searched Star Trek, the animated series, that uh, it returned both this and Lower Decks. Yeah. I was surprised that there were only six episodes in season two of the animated series also. Yeah, it seems like a fairly abrupt end to the thing. Yeah. Especially with how I generally feel. I mean, how many episodes of animated series have we covered on the show? I want to say less than a half a dozen, probably like three or probably four, like right? three, yeah. I'm impressed by it. Every time I see it, they really give it the business, I think. Yeah, I mean, like the animation is super limited, but the art is really beautiful. It's the sort of show I just want to pop like a half a jazz gummy more than I usually take <laughs> and sink into that couch to uh, yeah. to enjoy what I'm watching. Do you think it got canceled like mid-season? Oh, this is this is something we could look up in. But it but like animation also has such a long lead time that like it right. seems I don't know, seems hard. Yeah, maybe there are lost episodes of the animated series out there that are that are oh, waiting man. to be unearthed. Yeah, like that entire and there aren't there like two whole seasons of a Star Wars TV show that never got released? I did not know that. Yeah. The the uh the holiday special was its pilot episode. If you're saying what I think you're saying you felt you meant I thought you needed to hear, then I just have one thing to say I did not. Star Wars Detours is an unaired American CGI animated comedy series. There are thirty-nine produced episodes of this show. With the appetite that there is for the Star Wars Expanded Universe, I mean, that is just a license to print money, even if it's terrible. How terrible could it be to not get 10 million viewers an episode on that show? I mean, 
they own it. Just throw it on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the downside? You know, the word that gave me pause in that description, Ben, was comedy. <laughs> I wonder if that's the reason it never made it. Maybe the comedy doesn't hold up. Maybe it's bad. It was created by Seth Green and uh, Matthew Senreich, who did Robot Chicken. Like, that's oh, funny. I imagine that this was something a lot older, and that was the reason that the quote-unquote comedy didn't hold up, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was put on hold in 2013 following Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. Yeah, I'm sure that tumbled a lot of projects in production at that point. I mean, can you imagine if there were two full seasons of Lower Decks that never got released? Like, how maddening that would be as a Star Trek fan? Well, I can't imagine it because you and I have said a number of times on our show, one of the reasons we love Star Trek is because it's so uh, economical in yeah. how it's made, right? They would never waste <laughs> that many episodes. Nothing more economical than the animated series, Adam. Do you want to get into this episode? <laughs> Oh, yeah. They save money every time they put one out. This time around, we're going to discuss season two, episode two. It's called BEM. And it's written by David Gerald. Ben, you remember David Gerald from that William Shatner documentary? I don't. He's the guy with the super wide tie. Oh. You know, I'm going to have to be super specific when I describe, like, old white guy, super wide tie. You remember <laughs> David Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> Mid to late 80s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the reasons that we picked this episode to watch is because of its relationship to a Lower Decks episode. And this is one of the animated series apps that features a race of aliens that we got to know in Lower Decks this season. Yeah, there was uh, Sherry Yenyem, the Pandronian, in that episode. And this is the episode that introduces these people in the person of Ari Ben-Bem. Honorary Commander Ari Ben-Bem. I like that he has Ben in his name. Oh, geez. Really? Yeah. He's also a three-name name. I'm sure you like that, too. <laughs> Ari Ben-Bem, much like Sherry Yen-Yen, are, uh, <laughs> are sent from McKinsey to observe the Starfleets <laughs> doing their work and to meddle as much as possible. In so doing. Fresh off of uh, working to help the Chinese oppress people who practice Islam in Western China. But he's really been pulling a diarrhea Ben in his quarters <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, how about that? I love how Kirk and company just go on about their business like it's any other day on the ship. And they're getting ready to beam down to this planet surface to do a first contact mission. The mission is to drop some monitoring devices on the surface while avoiding the dangerous lizard people yeah. below. And Kirk basically says, it's a good thing we got another easy one here because we've been observed by this guy for a long time. And by observing us, what I mean is Ari Ben-Bem has just been in, the, <laughs> in, his, in their quarters with a sock on the door. <laughs> no one's seen yeah. him for weeks. This episode also sort of anticipates that episode about the Mintakins in TNG, the right. like- interest that Starfleet has in like if they find a planet that has intelligent life that is pre-warp they're curious uh, about monitoring that life so they're going to head down to this planet to install devices to do that they're not sending down a bunch of olds and silver suits with a duck blind or anything yeah they're sending their best right on this mission <laughs> 
And uh, Ari Benbem chooses the moment they're about to beam down to emerge from their quarters. And they've beaten the crew to the transporter room. Ari Benbem is like hands on the pad. Yeah. Setting up the beam. I wondered if Scotty was cranky about this because it's usually Scotty's job to work the buttons in the transporter room. Awfully trusting that they let a alien that has been as antisocial as this guy just like go ahead and punch in the transport coordinates. I kind of put this on Scotty because Scotty checks Ari Ben Bem's work here and Scotty's like, yeah, fine by me. Uh, looks good <laughs> or whatever. But as soon as they beam down there, Kirk and Spock materialize over water. Yeah. And the rest of the away team watches them fall in. It becomes pretty clear to the viewer that this was... By design, Eri Ben Bem beamed them over water so that they would fall in, and then his lower half could secretly detach from his body, and the little weird arms would come out and pickpocket Kirk and Spock. They, they get robbed. That's my purse! I don't know you! I'm so proud of myself for picking up this bit about Shari Yenyeb on the lower decks up. Like they very subtly show the tiny arms that stick out of her lower portion. And uh, I loved seeing the legs and arms in action in this episode underwater. It's interesting. The Federation has made contact with these guys and has a representative of theirs on board, but they really don't know much about them at all because the ability that Ari Benbem has to separate parts of his body off and have them float around is a shocker that comes later in the episode for right. the crew. Once... Kirk and Spock dry off. Ahura hits them up about an anomaly that they're picking up on the surface. Some sort of a, a sensor field is what they're seeing. My God, this is some of the thickest techno babble we have ever heard in any Star Trek thing. Say again. An anomaly, sir. It resembles a sensor field, but without a scanning grid or other point of reference. Is it moving? Brownian movement only, Captain. I'm shocked that a children's show drops Brownian motion. I had to look up what that was. Did you know what that was before looking into it? That's like the fact that particles on a microscopic level are moving around just because like they move. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the form of movement. It's the random form of yeah. movement that particles tend to take. Yeah, and then like when that movement speeds up is why things get hot or whatever. Brownian motion is also how I dance at weddings. Like there's no <laughs> pattern to it at all. Uh-huh. It's just all random. Right, yeah. You, you and Elaine Bennis have a very similar yeah. style of cutting a rug. <laughs> yeah, if I eat too much of the wedding buffet food, I also have a second Brownian movement <laughs> later on. Yeah, then you uh, you spend six missions in your quarters right. not interacting with the crew at all. <laughs> That's how it works. It's literally go like Ahura says s- some techno babble. That guy with three arms says some techno babble, and then Spock has to like clarify. Okay, what this means is that there's some sensors, which right? Makes us think that there may be an advanced species afoot that we didn't know about before. Yeah, which is weird because it doesn't necessarily comport with what Spock's seeing on the surface, or maybe it does because Spock looks around and he's like, "It's weird for a planet this old. All of this life down here seems fairly new and young." Yeah, it's like a it's prehistoric jungle environment. and It's like man. Genesis cave style. It looks old, but it is new. Genesis? <laughs> Genesis is planet forbidden. Right. Or like an opposite atom effect where it looks new, but is old. 
I really loved the scenes of them walking around in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, I always love seeing like cells of animation. And if I ever had like a like wall art of a animated series cell, this would be an episode I would love to find cells from because like the the plant life is so like inventive and lush and there's so many different backgrounds. It's not, they're not like recycling the same background over and over again. There's like you know, probably a dozen different backdrop paintings just in this jungle sequence. The Credence Clearwater Revival song playing during their exploration of the jungle really, like, heightens the tension, too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, remember, this is, like, the early 70s that we're getting this, Uh, and it's a show with a lot of opinions about the Vietnam War. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of money to license famous music. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the the absence of licensed music has to be why they just turn up the music they have so loud, right? <laughs> this imagery like of the like wicker cages that they wind up in has got to have been like self-consciously about Vietnam, right? Oh yeah, I definitely got some deer hunter vibes from this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ari Ben Bem like runs off and runs into a thicket that is even denser than the dense jungle that they're walking through and like separates himself. It seems like he has slightly different self-separation abilities than Sherry Yenyeb does. Yeah. She could do head, torso, legs, and Ari Ben Bam can do head, torso, right arm, and legs. <laughs> right arm only? It Yeah, like the right arm comes off a couple of times, the left arm never comes off. It seems as though the legs are the only things with their own arms. It would be fun to me if the arms also had arms. If everything had arms. (laughs) Everything gets arms. You get arms. You get arms. You get arms. Ari Ben-Bem's pieces recombine on the other side, and it isn't isn't too long before that combination gets captured by the, the natives of the planet, as if he wants to be. Kirk and Spock are like, kind of bedeviled about how he got through the thicket Mm -hmm. and so they have to go around and but by the time they catch up with him he is uh he's been captured by the locals who are stone age lizard people basically vaminos ari ben bem says (laughs) as he separates his body and moves through the thicket as the (laughs) rust beetles scurry Uh (laughs) god i almost had that line of dialogue right (laughs) remember that from royal tannenbaums that's uh yeah that's from uh not from old custer it's from wildcat yeah and uh and and ari ben bem sets off in the friskulating desk light (laughs) (laughs) really beautiful scene pandronian What the hell kind of way to act is that? Back on the entrepreneur, uh, they're picking up an increase to the energy readings that they picked up before. This is a little alarming, especially because Ahura seems to be in charge of the ship while everyone's away. And she was given specific instructions, just like everyone else before this away mission, not to interfere, not to engage with the natives down there. Run away if you can. Yeah. They don't want to break Prime D Mm -hmm. and she is in charge of the ship. So she's like radioing down to Scotty and Sulu, who I don't think Sulu has a line in this episode, does he? No. He is present but unspeaking. And Scotty's like, what are you talking about? Like the captain and Spock just ran away and we can't reach them. 
And Uhura kind of overrides this and insists that they get back to the ship and they'll figure out how to find Spock and Kirk later. They don't know that their pockets have been picked. Ordinarily, yeah. I think they'd be able to be picked up on the sensors. That's how it's said. Sensors. Everyone knows that. But that Pandronian and his legs arms grabbed all their gear. Kirk cannot reach the Enterprise, and he's looking at his communicator, and he's like, hey, what the hell? This is like a toy communicator. This isn't the real thing. It's like uh, basically anything you see at a merch booth at a Star Trek convention. <laughs> what the hell is this? And they start to realize like that their stuff has been fucked with, and they have excellent but unworking facsimiles of their communicators and phasers. But that's not going to deter Kirk. He's kind of a no time for backup type of dude. And he wants to slide across the hood of the uh, Thunderbird and save Ari Ben-Bem. Kirk's like, even the condom I usually keep in my tricorder is missing. (laughs) What am I supposed to do down here? (laughs) There are like a dozen lizard people down there and they're all going to go unfucked? No! 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 Damn it! I bet in the early 70s, Kirk isn't strapping up. He's, he's just going in. <laughs> yeah, that was before venereal diseases existed. That's right. Where do you think David came from? <laughs> this is one of those scenes that you get occasionally in a show geared towards kids where a main character just goes down the laundry list of problems. <laughs> and Kirk does this here. Like, boy, so many things have been unusual about our mission. Here are all of those things. (laughs) And uh, while the ship has decided on a course of action on the surface, Kirk has decided that what they need to do is keep following the natives along with Ari Ben-Bam. Yeah. I want to say it Ben-Bam, like Tin Man. Tin Man. I mean, that works for me. Let's see if we can stick to it. So they observe uh, until nightfall when they come try and break Ari Ben-Bem out of his wicker jail cell. And uh, it's a real, like, shut up, idiot, we're here to rescue you. Shut up. We're rescuing you. Bem has no cool. He has no chill. Do you think the episode wants you to get on Ari Ben-Bem's level at all? Because this is the inflection point where I'm like, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy's. (laughs) Like, to whatever extent there are many of him as component parts or individual parts, like, I don't like this setup at all as a person. Yeah. Maybe take him apart and put him back together a different way. Right. Yeah. Let's start plugging stuff into different sockets. Your children can combine different chests, legs, and heads. I think that if uh, this was a more modern version of this show, we would have gotten a little bit more prime directive mm-hmm. stuff. Like, does leaving him behind break the prime directive? Or is know. like he not subject to it due to the fact that he's not part of the Federation or what? This is a quality that we have talked about before about like, you know, Kirk is cool enough to be compared to other cool people. Why doesn't Star Trek ever do that? They just like leave him out on his cool island to be not compared to anyone. Yeah, you never want anything to contrast the cool against aside from people that are not cool. And it's weird that this episode seems to insist from this point forward that like, we can only really get on the side of the Prime Directive or of Kirk and Spock if we can just compare them to someone who is incredibly annoying about their judgments (laughs) that they level towards them, you know? Yeah. I thought that the Sherry Yenyeb thing where she 
would always say this one is mm-hmm. something 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 was about making fun of corporate speak. That's so too. Yeah. It's actually just the way Pandronians talk. And it always has been, Adam. Like many of you, this one started from the bottom, but with hard work and plenty of drills, this one is now at the top. Do you regret making light of corporate speak? I mean, now's the time to take that back, Ben. On this bonus <laughs> now, episode. Now that we're here behind the paywall. Yeah. Now you can say whatever you want. Um, no, I think corporate speak is silly. Yeah. It's dumb as hell. And uh, I enjoy seeing the piss taken out of it. Yeah. So the three are in these wooden cages, like the deer hunter. Yeah, they get captured. What else are they going to do? They're going to snipe at each other. <laughs> Their cages are positioned so close that they can have this conversation. And they're arguing until Ari Benbem reveals the communicators and phasers that they took and then shames Kirk and Spock for having them. Ari Benbem has been, Ari Benbem has been <laughs> doing an observe and report kind of mission on Starfleet. But reporting to whom? Did you ever get the sense that their report would go to either Starfleet or the Pandros? I think that it's not that well figured out in the script. But from what I gather, Ari Ben Bem is dumb and <laughs> thinks that they can report back to the Pandronians, but hasn't done the math on I need these guys' spaceship to do that. It'd be fun if Planet Pandro were like a post Praxis explosion planet and like it just had separate pieces that were yeah. just kind of gathered into an orbit. Yeah. They are pretty cheesed off about this because Ari Ben Bem is saying you didn't pass the test. I am really disappointed in the way you did this mission. Didn't really hold water from where I'm standing. So you can have your little toys back, but uh, just know that uh, you you have failed. You know what? Uh, what a great thing to do in any relationship is to like sort of strengthen it among the people in it. Is a secret judgment <laughs> levied oh, yeah. by one to the others. Yeah, testing your counterpart in that relationship without telling them that they're being tested. Scorekeeping and then waiting. For a, a moment of crisis to just sort of lay that out there. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, Ari Ben Bam is pretty cool about giving this stuff back. Right. Sort of scolding them for their kind of casual use of violence. But then Kirk is like using the phaser to cut through the door of his wooden cage. And like, oh, yeah. <laughs> At this point, I kind of wish there were more stakes for Ari Ben Bam. Like if a lizard person came back and like, stabbed through one of his arms with a spear. That would be an example of the moment in the hostage-taking movie where they kill one of the hostages, right? Right. By killing one of his limbs, you'd really set the tone for the danger to come. And the lizard person is like, looks like Pandronian's back on the menu, boys. Yeah, you cut to the campfire and there's just a slowly turning arm being cooked there. And it's one of the little arms from the leg. <laughs> that's not like, one of the big arms. Yeah, I mean, if you're into seafood, that's the little guy you want to suck out of the lobster, right? Not the oh, big yeah. claw, but the <laughs> that's little the leg. good stuff. Yeah. That's you really, really got to work for it. For it. Got to dig in there with a toothpick. Mm-hmm. Get all that meat. I was kind of surprised that Scotty was in charge when he got back to the ship and Uhura went back to comms. Were you? It's 1974. Yeah, but she was like bossing him around earlier, you know? Like when he was down on the planet surface, she was like, nope, you're wrong, I'm right, you're coming back to the ship, bub. Yeah, that sucks. Uhura should have left him on the surface. Yeah. 
I think Nichelle Nichols gets uh, a second voice role, though, Mm -hmm. in this episode. Yeah, really good one. She is the strange energy. Spock, Kirk, and Ari Benbeb are trying to affect their escape when these kind of colored lights paralyze them in place. And uh, this voice is explaining to them why they're being held in stasis. And uh, it's a lady that considers the lizard people to be her children. Camera whip pans over to a sand dune and there's like a lady who's being backlit with a bunch of feathers who's (laughs) dancing and talking at them. What a strange way to distract us. What a oddly specific choice. Yeah. This anomaly is huge. We're told it's the size of an entire continent. Yeah, that's a great big anomaly, Adam. The anomaly is pretty cranky that they have come down to this planet. And I mean, it's sort of like if there was a prime directive cop on the side of the uncontacted pre-warp aliens. Right. And that's sort of what she's writing for is like, you're going to interfere in their natural development. And that's the last thing I want. So, yeah, this alien's kind of the public defender figure <laughs> of the of the whole situation. Yeah, exactly. Like these lizard people can't afford a council of their own. This is the council that is provided. But uncharacteristically, a public defender that is well-funded and given as much access to funding as like, you know, a, a attorney general's office or whatever. This alien appears when they escape and then they're sort of frozen in place. By they, I mean Spock and Kirk and Ari Ben Bam. <laughs> and they are frozen in place for kind of a long time while this alien scolds them. They're in big trouble and are kind of put back into the cages after the scolding is done. And Eri Ben Bam has a renewed sense of smug superiority, scolding Kirk. You have mishandled situation again, Kirk Captain. This one judges you not an intelligent commander. Ari Ben Bam really has a death wish. <laughs> and I kind of wanted them to just get it over with in this episode. Because there's a repetition to this scene, right? The, like, Kirk and Spock escape, and then they're put back in their cage, and then they escape again, and then back in their cage. <laughs> and Kirk is like, man, like, we are only in this pickle because we were trying to rescue you. <laughs> this yeah. test sucks. Your test is bad. Yeah. So the idea hatched on the Enterprise is exactly counter to what this alien wants at all. On the Enterprise, they're like, let's send armed away teams back down to rescue Kirk and Spock. That's how we're going to do this. Kind of the opposite of what they agreed to with the strange energy. She was just basically like, get on your ship and get out of here as fast as possible. But Eri Ben Bem has run off because... They can slip through the bars on their cage. And so a security team with phasers and high-powered tricorder beams down. And again, the strange energy is very cranky with them. And they have to, like, shoot lizard people and stuff. I know. It is a total firefight down there. Yeah. Not a great day if you're a lizard person. And it's all to get Ari Ben Bam back. That's the thing. Like, no one wants to do this. No one yeah. really wants to save Ari Ben Bam. Well, and I think that fortunately, the strange energy is willing to hear that. Like <laughs> when it all comes to a head and they've like got Ari Ben Bam back, the colorful lights reappear and the voice is like, you like totally went back on our agreement. And Kirk is able to explain it to 
the strange energy's satisfaction. This is good. Go. Go now and do not return. Kirk makes a couple of promises here. He's like, look, uh, you clearly have a great thing going on down here with these lizard people. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend to understand why this is so interesting to you. It's just a bunch of lizards and spears and huts and stuff. And you seem- But it seems like a great party with all these kind of disco lights right. going. Like, that's cool. Yeah, but that's what the alien entity brings to the table. Like, the, the lizard people aren't bringing shit. It seems like this entire scene is beneath the alien entity to be interested in. And it's what made me very curious about what their true motivations might be. Yeah, well, we don't get to dig too deep into that. Uh, we have to deal with Ari Ben Bem's pronouncement that they're going to go back to Pandro and be disassembled. This is a one screw up and you're dead kind of society. And Kirk and Spock look at each other, shrug their shoulders and go, fine, cool, see ya. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Deuces. That's what the end of the episode should be. Yeah. Well, they talk him off the ledge. They're like, hey, listen. They talk him off the five ledges that that, <laughs> that Ari Ben-Bem's pieces are standing at the top of. You made a goof. You know, you, you recognized your error, and now you can grow from it. Right. How did the Pandronians develop warp travel before learning this? Phew, that's a great question. Yeah, because their order of operation seems totally out of whack. <laughs> Is this like the planet that they visit in Justice on TNG? It really feels that way. You can't you can't judge your way into space. Wow, deep. <laughs> yeah. Is it fucking smoothie time over there? What is this? I'm drinking a uh, strawberry margarita. Oh. I mean, look. It's that time, Adam. The viewers at home know what I'm about to describe, which is your strawberry mark is the size of a smoothie. It is like 40 <laughs> ounces. Yeah, it was a big one. <laughs> I made myself a big one. It's been a long week, Adam. Mm -hmm. What are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking the sipping tequila I was telling you about. Oh, in the uh, in yeah. the fancy ceramic bottle. In the big ceramic bottle. It's real good. Man. Got to hip you to that. You got to come over and we can have some porch times. I do. I got to bring my- With the um, bottle. What do you call this? The- The hickora? There was a different word for it. Huh? The the little mezcal drinking vessel that yeah? somebody sent us. I forget what you called it. Copita? Hmm. Hey, maybe. Is that little cup in Spanish? La vese los copita? <laughs> <laughs> So they get everybody back up to the ship. They're going to leave a bois. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. To tell people not to mess with this planet, there's a colorful alien presence that won't take that too kindly. Right. An alien presence who maybe has learned the most about humanity by how much patience they have displayed with Ari Benbem. <laughs> like, like, hey, I just want to say I really respect how you dealt with that super annoying alien you kept around. Yeah, the voice that they've been interacting with radios them up one last time to say, Captain Kirk, I've learned a lot. Go in peace. And in Ari Ben-Bem's case, go in pieces. <laughs> go away, <laughs> Ari Ben-Bem. <laughs> 
Yeah, the alien entity just sort of gives the ship a nice pat on the butt before yeah, sending them on their way, and that's how it ends. Off they warp. Yeah. Did you like this episode of Star Trek the Animated Series, Adam? It clears up some things about the Pandronians, which I definitely appreciate. As an episode of television, I do enjoy every toe dip I get with the animated series. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've seen stronger animated episodes than this one. <laughs> this one was pretty silly. Look, we watch a lot of Star Trek, a lot of the same series of Star Trek in a row. And uh, you know how it goes when you watch a lot of the same thing. You, you look for ways to make it exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try and spice it up. Uh, like there's no need to spice up the animated series. It's still a rare kind of thing that I enjoy on my birthday or an anniversary, you know? <laughs> it's it's fun. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think while this episode does not hold up to a ton of like script scrutiny, right. it is a lot of fun to watch. And um, yeah, overall, a positive experience. And it's always fun for me to see the origin story of a joke on Lower Decks. Right. Like, this is all they had to work with to create that joke. Yeah. Yeah. And they spun it like rumpled joke skin. They spun it in a Lower Decks episode gold. They really did. Like, I think that that is such an astute comedy choice to say, this guy is management consultant guy to the animated series, so we're gonna, like, take that to an 11 for Lower Decks. And, uh, I really appreciated it. Ben, we're famously like a very positive show. We exude positivity, love, and joy wherever we can. Mm -hmm. That's just what we're about. That's what we're about as people. That's the governing principle of our show itself. But I got to ask a question. Where are you going with this? Jesus Christ. A dark question. (laughs) Okay. Are the Pandros the least favorite alien in, in all of Star Trek to you. I think they fucking suck. They are bad. And I think not because they're badly sketched. Like, I think they're made to be as hateable as I find them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they're intentionally hateable. Like, I would compare the Pandronians to that guy that played Stratagema yeah. on TNG. Yeah. Totally. Or, like, he's not, they're not like Armus level hateable. Like, I don't know if you'll understand this, Ben, but I just really hate condescension. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Like in all forms. Adam, I understand. (laughs) Trust me. Wow. That is really surprising to me. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure it would be given your uh, ability to pick up on social cues and whatnot. God. You're just really lucky I'm here to ask a question that good. I have a question for you, though, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself in Edward Larkin? I mean, it could only be Ari Ben Bam. He is the alpha chaos agent of the whole thing. <laughs> Even though I wanted him to die. I, I think that's part of the recipe here. I totally agree. Yeah. I don't think you could call any other character the Edward Larkin of this episode. Nobody else is as silly or as chaotic. You'd be wrong. Dead wrong. You'd be wrong. Yeah. Well, nobody else gets a say in who's the Edward Larkin. That's just for you and me to decide. That's right. And because we're behind the paywall, a select few. (laughs) We'll ever know. (laughs) A select few will understand that. Yeah. 
Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning into a bonus episode of The Greatest Discovery. And uh, we're going to be putting out more bonus episodes than ever before soon enough. And uh, I hope you'll stick around for them. I hope so, too, because I like doing bonus episodes and we get to do them because of all of the generous support we receive. So thanks a ton. Thank you. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This particular episode was produced by this one, Ryan Whedon. This show wouldn't be possible without helpers. Chef extraordinaire Adam Ragusea made the music for this program, and Bill Tilly is the star in charge of the official social media accounts for the show. You can follow both of those at Greatest Trek on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find fan-run communities on Discord at drunkshimoda.com or on Reddit at r slash greatestgen. Thanks for listening. Be well, everyone. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.